1: Their aim is to educate and entertain. Here's Scott and Jess.
0: Hi, guys. Welcome and happy Wednesday. Today, we are going to be talking about over-enrichment and dog ownership. Uh, A few weeks ago, we did a podcast called Accompanying the Dog, and it was very popular. But over-enrichment is different than accompanying and needs to be talked about also. Is it
1: possible to overly enrich your dog?
0: I overly enrich you every day,
1: and look what I got. I'm not complaining one bit. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. But first, we're going to start with the quirky tip of the day. There he goes. Um, the quirky tip of the day. How many times do you think we've been told, uh, we ask the question, do you crate your dog? And then what do people say? What's the response?
1: Well, when they were, when they were a puppy, they did to, for a little bit of potty or training. Or if they still use a crate, what are they, what's the response? Uh, when they leave the house. Uh-huh. Is when, or overnight.
0: Yeah. Those or or both. T- or, oh yeah, yeah. We use a crate every, every time we leave, every time we go to bed, the dog just sleeps right in the crate. No problem. So our quirky tip Personally, today,
1: I think it's an inhumane <laughs> device. Our that, quirky
0: tip of the day, you and Sweden and Switzerland all together yeah. is crate your dog at least an hour a day when you're home. So if you work, you know, a nine to five, if you're going into work again, if your life is becoming more normal, but if you've been leaving if the, the house, from home, especially yeah, yes. Um, if your dog's crated all day during the day, because you're gone fine, do it on the weekends An hour a day when you're home. Uh, and yeah, if you're working from home, those separation anxiety cases always, if the person works from home are always greatly enhanced. And then what happens is, Oh, I don't want to create the dog because I'm on a conference call and the dog's barking, yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. So creating the dog while you're home, while you're awake will be very indicative to you of, can my dog tolerate being in a crate while I'm here? Is there some anxiety going on? Is the dog protesting more? Is the dog barking? X, Y, Z. So try it, do it for us, and it ties into this over-enrichment topic.
1: I would say if you haven't done it before and you're going to do that uh, for the good of your dog, don't do it when you actually have to be on a conference call. Because if there is barking, it's going to be a big problem. you got to do it when you don't need it.
0: Practice it. But if there is protest... That means that it's something that you should be addressing more and more frequently. Jimmy, he's actually here today. He's uh, hanging out. and um, He's in a crate. He's in a crate, yeah. But Jimmy sleeps out, I would say, most nights now. and uh, I, I did.
1: I duct taped his muzzle oh, for the show. Oh, stop it.
0: Shut up. But <laughs> he sleeps out most nights. But I'd say every third night, we put him in a crate. You know, Make sure he's fine. In, not whining. Everything else.
1: Ties into the over-enrichment.
0: I, I you are the, we you, rub
1: his feet. We should put pictures up of you us rubbing his enriched. feet. enriched.
0: I just have to say how cute this is. Look at how the pig and my phone and my sunglasses are matching. I'm so impressed. This is yeah. such a just yeah. thing. It's That's, really a, just I just saw it and everything came together a all bit at once. Disturbing. Yeah. All right, over enrichment. What does it mean? What is it?
1: Um, oh, before we get into that, I'm wearing my uh, Black Sabbath t-shirt today <laughs> from 2016, the End <laughs> tour. We thought that would be the end of Ozzy, but he's still he's yeah, still going Ozzy's strong, still kicking. which also leads me, because that makes me think of Sweet Leaf, which was <laughs> one of my favorite songs. Later in the podcast, oh I'm going to give you guys a cannabis update on my plants, my little home grow in Maine. He and really, I'm excited about that. That's going to keep me hanging in to get through this, really this podcast. He really is excited
0: about sharing the plant update, and he always talks about it, and he wants to share photos and the whole thing. Okay, so over enrichment, what does it mean to you?
1: What does it mean to me? Yeah. Uh, Just constantly creating games for your dog, constant engagement, living your life for your dog rather than your dog enhancing your life. I guess that would be a short way to describe it. Yeah, I would say that
0: that, that's similar to what I think, too. And Scott says it a lot in terms of parenting because, you know, Scott's obviously older than me. He was raised in a different Uh, generation than me. It may not be super obvious. (laughs) (laughs) I'm aging quicker. I, I age about 10 years every year with him but he also has had kids and times change, you know, and the way that people are even parenting is changing. And we have these conversations a lot, especially as it relates to clients who have kids who also have dogs. And you see it a lot with parenting with children where, you know, the kid is a lot of people deal with screen time. So that's an issue now, like, Oh, the just give the kid an iPad, just give the kid this. Occupy the kid's mind, you know, and it's fine. But then they just become a vegetable in front of the screen. So then a lot of people want to limit that. But it's just constant, like, here, let's go over here for this activity. Let's go see this visitor over here. Let me bring you this game over here. Let's check out this show right now. It's just all day long. We're just like creating this life. So it's go, 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 go. And in the back of my mind, I'm almost thinking like are we maybe creating ADHD in our children? Are we maybe creating this bullshit in our dogs? Like is this something is it a product of how we are raising them and how we are interacting with them and we see it all the time with dogs and it's disturbing. Dogs, you know, have 18 dog walkers and daycare groups and play groups and it's just the their whole life is every minute of every day is planned out and there's not a lot of downtime. So that to me is over-enrichment and giving your dog more and trying to occupy their mind and keeping them busy and everything else. And from our personal and professional experience, it comes to bite you in the butt after a while.
1: Yeah, when you you do actually want to take some time for yourself, it's real difficult. You have a very demanding dog that is expecting you to entertain them. 24-7? Twenty four seven. Yeah,
0: and then they're going to do the protest barking it's and the all with this the kids other stuff too.
1: You know, it's the same thing. They're with the not
0: kids. able to be independent. They're not able to have downtime. And I understand that well, it's you're not, not going to get with f-
1: kids. It's not the downtime. It's learning to entertain yourself, to read a book, to play with a game, to build a plastic model airplane or a, a little model car. All those kind of things that kids did 40 years ago. You don't see that kind of stuff anymore, you know?
0: Yeah. Even playing outdoors, people talk about it. A I big mean, the change. last
1: thing I wanted to do was hang out with my parents when <laughs> I was a kid. Jesus.
0: <laughs> but we're facilitating running down
1: the street at seven more years old. and
0: more activities and products and everything else. So a big one, this is a buzz uh, topic for me. And a lot of people don't like my opinion on this, but a big one is the snuffle mat. So if you hadn't heard of it before, you can look it up. And the principle of it is it's basically like this, Square mat that you put on the ground and it has a lot of fleece things coming up. And people can feed their dogs in it, I guess. It's like a way to hunt around and have food. But a lot of people are using it now for reactivity also. Um, Which I kind of, a lot of people have said it works great for them and I'm glad and I'm not trying to knock that for them. For me, personally, I don't understand how dogs used to not, used to be able to walk down the street and not be reactive and now they need to walk down the street and when they see their trigger, you re- put re- this mat down and you throw a bunch of food on it. That to me it seems like a little strange. Like, why did that switch now that we need a mat for the dog to be well behaved on the street? So, personally, if it was my dog and I was struggling, I would have my dog hold a sit and work through some of those triggers and make my dog just deal with that situation and make sure they can use it. I don't so,
1: know. I haven't heard that story, but I've been off of social media for a while. You don't
0: even know what a snuffle mat was I before know. we started the You're gonna wrap
1: the dog's head in it or something. What the hell? How's that gonna stop reactivity? <laughs> so, a
0: lot of people have used it for eating, which I get. It's a way to enrich um, eating time. I just bought slow feed bowls for our dogs. I want to start feeding all the border collies out all at once in the kitchen. And I, my girls are like, Oh, someone's eating near me. I need to eat quicker. And I don't want them choking on their raw. So I'm going to every night smash their food down into these slow feed bowls and they'll be able to all eat loose at night.
1: That might go better with a snuffle mat. (laughs) I don't think with the raw,
0: but my point is I understand like activities for things like this, everything else. Same thing like with nails. I get, if your dog's, you know, a persnickety about nails, you do it once, hopefully twice a month. For that one period of time, fine, you put treats in it. You just have the dog manage dealing with something else. But if it's like the way that you depend on having control of your dog outside of a ring at agility trials, for instance, like people, the dogs are all excited. Okay, here, go hunt in this thing. Go do that. That to me is over enrichment. We're always giving the dog to do. We're always giving the dog something to channel their energy and their drive into. And I'm not saying that that's wrong, but you can also use obedience to do that too. So that to me is like, all right, I don't want to go for a fricking walk with this big square mat. And um, if I see something that my dog's going to get excited about, throw it on the ground and throw cookies down. That's not something I'm personally willing to do. So I'm going to work through that other ways, but that is a big trigger for me, this over enrichment and they're becoming more and more and more popular. I thought they were just a sport dog thing, but you can Google them. So snuffle mats are a big, like red trigger to me. Like, ah, that's too much.
1: It's over. I'm sorry that the snuffle mat triggers you. (laughs) (laughs) Because I think that it's a legitimate thing that you can do with your dog. It's if you're constantly going, if you have a, a snuffle mat, which is one of 15 things that you have to entertain your dog, that's when it's a problem. Okay. It's snuffle mat time. Oh, it's 1030. Let's switch over. We're going to do something else and now. And people literally and live like this. Now it's time like for your this. puppy play date. Let's run him down the street people, and get him in his puppy play date. People
0: literally function like this. And this isn't anti puzzles or anything like no, that. It, good stuff. It's good people like how many people still fill a Kong and put a Kong in a crate for the dog when they leave? Like if that works for you, that's okay. There's actually dis. Of kongs that you can have outside of the crate that you can time (laughs) that you can time so the kongs keep going into the crate. I'm gonna get my dog
1: smoking cigars.
0: (laughs) (laughs) My God, I apparently Scott's nice and chill, but literally, like the entire time you're gone, like okay, a kong is dispensed, the dog's gonna eat through it. Okay, it's been an hour, a kong is dispensed. What if, like, when the second kong was dispensed, the dog was napping and the freaking kong woke it up? Like, why do we need there to be constant kongs? to eat just because you're away from your dog. Like that's a deeper issue and separation anxiety that needs
1: to be addressed to me. Well, the Kong manufacturer needs that to happen. The that's Kong fun.
0: manufacturer loves it and that's fine. And I'm not saying again, that feeding your dog out of a Kong is ridiculous, but if that's the predicator to getting your dog to go into a crate, to be quiet when you walk out of the house and it's been a few years, maybe you should reconsider that whole system. I don't know. Personally, I just think that it's not creating a lot of balance. Well, so, again,
1: I don't have a problem with that either. It's it's all of them as together. As soon as I agree to problem. show
0: his plants, there's a problem. I'm, no,
1: I don't think a Kong in the crate is a problem. It's I think not. Everything it's, constantly catered to the dog think, is the problem. I
0: don't think a dog should uh, not tolerate being crated without a Kong in the crate. No, I don't either. That's my point. Point taken. <laughs> God. <laughs> All right. So um Chewies. This is another good one. So how many dogs? I swear to God, we have this like theory.
1: You mean the website, Chewies?
0: No, not like giving a dog a Chewy. Like how we give Gigi the Chewy on the bed, like a bully stick or something. Okay. So Um, we have this theory that the really fat dogs who were like previously really anxious people like are just feeding because when they're fat, they just like sleep and they're bored. But a lot of times a dog that seems like, oh my God, he'll eat all day, every time, every moment, everything else going, 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 going. Now the dog's like 40 pounds overweight. Like that's to me always giving the dog a chew because the dog's the like dog's hungry. Yeah. The what do- the hell
1: are you got to do? The dog's hungry. is going to The eat. dog
0: barks in the middle of the day. Okay. Let's give him a can of food. Let's that's give him a, kibble. Like that was an
1: Italian family. I would understand.
0: And if it's just to be kind and show love, that's one thing. But if it's because the dog is just pacing back and forth and the dog just ate breakfast two hours ago, it probably doesn't need a chewy to get through the next two hours. It could just go and lay down, go and chill out, go in a crate. Like, Sometimes if the dog is activating you because it's pacing, it's barking, it's too wound up, it's a telltale sign that the dog needs a little bit of downtime. Like a little quiet time for you and the dog would probably go a long way. That that
1: reminds me of a client I had once whose dog uh, compulsively drank water and they thought the dog was thirsty. So they'd fill the water bowl, the dog would drink the whole bowl of water and look at them like, Hey, I need more water. And they keep filling the bowl. The dog was like a watermelon. Like you could just like flick the side of its stomach. It was like a drum, you know, just not, hard. The dog not, couldn't even move.
0: It's not good practice. So over enrichment of chewies and food and water and all of those things, just be conscious of it. It's not that you can't give your dog a treat. That's not what we're saying. We're saying if the dog finished a greenie and now runs back to you and barks, you shouldn't probably get up and give the dog another greenie. That's no, That's
1: when you get the snuffle, mat. <laughs>
0: That's when okay. you. That's when you switch yeah, up the, the tactic. Snuffle mat. That's it. all right. I'm not even going to mention snuffle mats in the second half, and we are going to get to Scott's pictures here at the end. So when we get back, we're going to have the quirky question and a few more tips on how to avoid over enriching your dogs.
1: What makes Coranda beds chew proof? Only Coranda beds have a patented design which secures the fabric inside the frame, making it totally inaccessible to jaws and paws. Your dog can't chew the fabric because we've hidden the edges inside the rails. Dogs love Coranda beds, see why? Coranda beds come in a variety of custom sizes. You can even add a fleece pad on top for extra coziness. And these beds can be used both indoors and outdoors. But best of all, our beds are easy to clean. Just wipe them off or hose them down. Visit dogbed.us slash the quirky dog for more details.
0: Oh, his legs cut off there. Oh well. All right, we are back. And are you going to do our quirky question?
1: Yeah, I wanted to say, are we going to get into some more of these uh, over-enrichment things after the question of the day? Yes. Because I had some things I want to talk about. Do too. you
0: want to write them down?
1: No, I'll remember. Okay. Okay quirky question of the day. And this is a question that I, um, I had a client ask me yesterday. And I get asked this so often that I thought it would be something to, to bring up here. When can I stop using the tools? This is assuming you've done some dog training with your dog. Um, I don't care what the tools are, if it's a clicker and treats or an electric collar or a, just a leash and collar, whatever it is, the tools that you have used to create the behavior that you wanted which now is, excuse me, to a point where you're very happy with the behavior. Well, when can I get rid of these tools? The dog does what I wanted him to do now, so can we get rid of all of this stuff? And, you know, it seems obvious to me, and when I explain it to people, they seem to think, well, yeah, obviously that's right. But people don't want to use these tools. And the answer is that you're never, whatever you use to create a behavior, if you take that, if you're giving your dog treats to get on a dog bed and clicking with a clicker, and then you take, and they're doing it, so now you don't use treats anymore, you throw away the clicker, the treat pouch, all that stuff, uh, the behavior is going to get weaker and it's going to start to go away. You need to have a criteria for the behavior, whatever that is, and hold your dog to that level if you want to maintain it, and I wouldn't suggest never giving your dog a treat again. You can go to, you know, random reinforcement of treats if that's the case. If you're using a pinch collar to teach your dog to walk on a loose leash, as an example, uh, if the dog is walking perfectly on a, in a heel or on a loose leash, so you decide not to use the pinch collar anymore, it may last for uh, a week, it may last for six months, but eventually something's going to pop up where that dog is going to lunge toward and of course you're not using your treats anymore either so now the dog is going to see something that's distracting and they're going to go for whatever reason after that thing and it's just all going to start falling apart there's you know
0: yeah, and the thing is, it's funny, Scott, you know, mentions the pinch color and the aversives and stuff, and even that, like, the pushback there, like, we understand more, but uh, half the people are like, oh, well, when can I not bring the food anymore? Yeah, I don't like, want to
1: use treats, it's too like, much of a hassle. Yeah, like,
0: I, I don't want to have a pouch, I don't want to have to be, my my fingers get all dirty. I don't have like, any pockets. you don't, you're not going to go to work um and not get paid and keep going to work you're not going to not go to work and not be fired like there's consequence and there's uh reward for everything that we do in life and there was a thread going around on Facebook a few months ago became this big dumpster fire about what is a trained dog? And both threads got taken down because everyone was being all crabby. But the person was arguing a trained dog is hundred percent reliable with no equipment, no leash, no anything all the time. That's a trained dog. Well, that doesn't exist in our world. I don't know, but someone commented on there and I loved this phrase that a behavior is either being trained, maintained or deteriorating. And it's so true. Like there's Jimmy is crazy about his crate, like loves his crate insane, like OCD, big issue. He sleeps in the bed for a month and hangs out on the bed during the day for a few weeks. He runs into the bedroom. He doesn't even go in his crate anymore. He we jumps are, up
1: on the on our yeah, bed.
0: He starts digging. Like, oh, here, let me turn the sheets down for yeah. you. So, you know, I even with him, I'm like, all right, Scott, like, we got to fix this. Now he goes in the crate. We give him some treats. Like, we're trying to build that back up so we actually have some consistency again with the behavior that he was freaking crazy about. So the bottom line is if it's working, don't think about ditching what's working right away or ever. What's, what's the holdup if you have to have tools and it all works great and life is harmonious for you and the
1: dog. Great. Well, first of all, be grateful that the dog is actually doing the behaviors you wanted them to do. That's the first thing instead of thinking, when can I stop doing all this crap? Because usually when you started, you started doing this training because your dog's behavior was very unacceptable Now you got it. So the dog's behavior is great. And you can get into a maintenance program. You don't have to be as crazy. It doesn't take as much time to maintain a behavior as it does to teach a behavior, but there's got to be some maintenance in there, you know?
0: And you always want to go back to your foundation. So that's our food for thought on that one. We hear it a lot. Maintenance uh, baby. We wanted to mention it. Okay. So over enrichment, this is, uh, this came also, Scott wrote a blog post last year now called you can't outrun crazy. And it was a really popular blog post. Um, actually somebody turned one of his quotes into a meme, another dog trainer. But the bottom line is like, if you're taking your dog for a run at 6.00 AM and then another one at 5.00 PM and they have a dog walker to come let them out. And then they have a daycare that picks them up three days a week. And then they have all these puzzles at night. And you know, it's just, everything is becoming more and more and more. And this specific example he was talking about in the blog post, now the dog started waking the owners up at 3.00 AM and being like, Hey, like let's play like they thought, oh maybe yes to go out. like it just became more and more and more because now if you have anxiety and you're giving the dog a lot of exercise and a lot of outlets, you have a dog with endurance and anxiety and that's a real problem. Like <laughs> you, you know, a dog can now run three miles in the morning and then they recover within an hour. So what? now they're gonna run five miles like it keeps growing and becoming a bigger and bigger issue. So this is where the over enrichment to me is like, hey, maybe you're doing too much. We have very drivey dogs. I mean, like all of our dogs have a shit ton of drive. That is not true. We have very drivey dogs. Um, And we have a lot of them. And if our dogs have to be in the crate for most of the day, because it was a rainy day and we were busy and everything else, they behave just as well that evening and the next day than they would if they had a hike and we played ball with them and we went on a walk through the neighborhood and everything else. Like that, their behavior is not at all affected by how much we were able to do with them. And I'm not saying that dogs with drive or working dogs or even pet dogs don't need work or they don't need enrichment and they don't need something, but how much is too much. And it's becoming like that nowadays that we're just constantly coming up with more and more and more and more and more to keep the dogs just at bay. And maybe that isn't aiding us so well into the future. You don't want it to be like, Oh God. Okay. Well, the dog's 12 now. So he's, you know, kind of slowing down. Like, no, the first decade plus isn't supposed to be that strenuous, that hectic. And yeah. the dog's probably not in a good headspace.
1: Yeah. And there's a difference between, uh, someone catering to their dog and thinking the dog needs all this stuff. And someone who's doing a ton of activities with their dog because they need to be doing this stuff because of their own, this, their dog is their whole life, you know, and it can look the same, but it's more rewarding if, let's say you're a dog person, you're, a, you're an agility competitor, you do a little AKC obedience competition, you're getting into nose work, now you're getting into barn hunt, you're doing all this stuff because you enjoy training your dog, and your dog, you know, on the surface it could look like, wow, you're doing a lot of stuff for your dog, but really you're doing it for yourself because you enjoy the act of working with dogs training. That's different. The
0: flip side of that is now, okay, we went into quarantine. We have COVID. If you don't do all those things for a week, has your dog fallen apart? Is your dog losing their mind because they don't have all of these outlets? And if the dog is fine either way, fine, spend 12 hours a day doing classes with the dog, doing activities with the dog, whatever you want. But if you're doing these things just to keep the dog at a baseline of like, okay, well, you know, he's not going to bother me for a half an hour, then that's where it becomes an issue. What were the things that you were going to mention well, that you didn't need about, to write down?
1: Well, I was thinking about the nose work, but then also the barn hunt. And you know, nose work is a great activity to get dogs' brains busy and it tires them out without having to do a lot of physical activity. The the mental uh, work is what gets them tired, and it's a great activity. But if you're doing that in conjunction with 15 other things just to keep your dog somewhat calm in the house, it's too much. I yeah, mean, and you, the you other need thing doing all that and
0: this spills over a little more into dog sports, but you also can't be the jack of all trades. So like, if you want to be good at something, you can probably specialize in I'd say two or three things and be really, really, really good at those things. Um, and you know, get as, get your dog as competent in that activity as possible and yourself and you have a lot of room to grow. You can't be good at eight to ten dog activities. Like not only is it costly and time consuming, you just can't master that many things (coughs) with one dog. Now maybe if you own Jimmy Choo, that'd be different, but there's only one Jimmy Choo in the world. Okay. So um another thing that pops up often is, you know, the dog walker. Fine, you work, we get it. Dog can't sit in a crate for eight to ten hours how many times does a dog walker have to come? Multiple dog walkers come two or three times a day. I I don't think the dogs need to go to the bathroom that frequently. Maybe just one longer walk in the middle of the day. Like people are feeling like guilty. Like, oh, the dog needs more. He needs more. He needs more. No, he's okay to have a little bit of downtime and just chill out. Frankly, like that's fine. A lot of people get pissed if the dog comes back from daycare and they're not like dead tired. They're like, oh, he went to daycare. He wasn't tired enough. Like That isn't their job to make your dog so dead to the world that you don't have to deal with them when the dog gets home. Like, some days it's more strenuous than others. Some days their playgroups aren't as crazy. Like, that just happens. This is okay. Like, that's okay. Dogs and getting together with other dog friends. If it's because you want to sit and have coffee with your girlfriend and shoot the shit, fine, do it for yourself. But the dog shouldn't require you to go and make a play date for him a few days a week so he can run around and get his yaya's out.
1: Well, I guess the point is, you know from my perspective, because I have dog owners ask me these questions all the time. You don't need to be doing this. I mean, they say, how much is enough? You know, how much acti- I have, have a client just texted me and said, I need to get my dog exercise. You know, can I do this? How much exercise does my dog need? And most of the time you don't need to do as much as, as what you think you need to do. You know, you have a dog that is It depends on the age of the dog. If you have a puppy that's got a lot of energy, usually it's a burst of energy and then they sleep most of the day. And then they wake up and they tear around the house and they get into trouble and then they crash just like a baby, just Mm -hmm. like a toddler would, you know?
0: But the thing about that is, is if you stop doing it, what does the dog's behavior look like? So that's the thing. Like if your dog goes outdoors and just barks all day outside at squirrels and everything else, they're inside, they're barking out the window, they're constantly up following you around the house, pacing, panting, whatever else. Like that's a sign that they don't need more. Maybe they just need more structure, more stability, more calming. That would be our point to take home there is that your over-enrichment could be causing your dog to become more and more inconsolable without you raising the, you know, stimulants with the environment and without you raising the activity level and everything else. And that's when you're kind of tipping over to this dangerous zone of like, are you going to run for 10 miles in the morning before you go to work with your dog? One, that's a lot on the dog's joints. And two, how much time do you really have to deal with this dog and provide enrichment for this dog after a while? All right. You want to talk about your plants?
1: Yeah, I can give a quick update, and I will say, uh, I'm going to put up a picture of my uh, plant so you guys can see it. Um, It's It's like five or six months old now, whatever it is, six months almost. But around the country, people are having a lot of trouble with their uh, cannabis crops. In the Northwest, they're having all these crazy fires. Huge acres of uh, cannabis have been wiped out out there. In Colorado last week, they had a freak snowstorm, which wiped out many acres of cannabis out there, which... Sucks for everybody. Keep in mind, this is being used as a medicine for many people. And uh, here in New England, I'm talking to people that are getting now bud rot, bud worms, all kinds of things that happen at the tail end of this crop when you get into the fall season. It gets more wet. It's getting colder. People are getting mold and mildew, things like that. So it's just an interesting hobby that I have that I've been having a lot of fun with. And, um, you know... I don't know, there's there's a mindfulness that comes with uh, growing a, a plant of any kind, any kind of, you know, you people out there that grow flowers and vegetables, you, you probably already know this. But it's just a it's a fun thing to do. And I enjoy it, and I'm almost at the end of it, and hopefully I'll be able to get through the season and, and
0: that big and get plant it done. That big plant, how tall is that plant? Yeah, that normal? thing is like
1: eight feet tall. So yeah. I wanted to get a picture of it because I will not allow a plant to grow eight feet again. I just did it to see what would happen. To see how tall it would get on its own. Ta-da! Yeah, but, uh, you know, just from working on it and making sure it doesn't have bugs. I mean, And you having up, to
0: be on a ladder to it. Yeah, you trim get up it. on
1: a stepladder to look at the top to make sure it doesn't have worms in the buds and all that kind of stuff. It's just, uh, it's more of a hassle when you get something like that.
0: Yeah, but he's had a good outdoor crop. This is his first time growing outdoors, and uh, the well, trimming I, is going to be coming up.
1: Technically, it's not. You know, I grew up in the 70s, and <laughs> we did a lot of, we had a lot of plants growing one time. My dad, I threw a handful of seeds in my mom's garden. And my dad was out there pulling them out, throwing them over his shoulder. You know,
0: he has <laughs> quite a were, green, there were
1: pot plants everywhere. He has
0: quite a green thumb, my husband. So there is his plant and we'll keep you updated and the trimming is going to be coming. Next week, we are going to talk about the importance of pet dog manners in sport dogs. And we are going to have a very special guest and a good friend of mine here for that episode. So be sure to tune in. If you need anything from us, studio at thequirkydog.com. And in the meantime, keep it quirky. <coughs>